Good morning, church. It is uh, amazing to be here with you. A very interesting Sunday for me and uh, for us. And, and uh, I was thinking of what a strange thing it is to be in the hands of God and trust and completely in faith believe that the creator of the universe loves us, calls us by name, has a plan for us and a destiny and a purpose for each and every one of us. And to uh, live in that reality is a very big deal. It's uh, not lost on me that yesterday was the anniversary of uh, my father passing. And uh, I lost, eight years ago, I lost my stepdad and my biological dad in five days' time. And uh, that's not, the, it's eight years ago, but it was a reminder to me yesterday as I was praying and believing God's best for this moment in this service that we have a father in heaven that loves us with a perfect father's love. And we're never ripped off. We're never shortchanged. We're never uh, less than uh, because our heavenly father provides every, absolutely everything we need according to his riches and his glory in Christ Jesus. And so, uh, so I am, uh, I'm a little emotional and charged up and humbled in this moment, recognizing that. And uh, recognizing that a perfect father's love sometimes looks different than my plan uh, might look or than your plan might look. Um, and thank God for fathers and, uh, who love us enough to not do everything we say, <laughs> but love us enough to provide their best and ultimately their heavenly father's best for us. And so um, today's a weird Sunday and a weird service. I, I imagine uh, many of you know what's going on and some might not yet. And so I want to uh, just kind of open and, and take, peel the peel the lid off and let all of you know that, uh, that Christine and I, and I didn't bring Christine up here because that's not fair to her, um, are in a season of transition. And, uh, and so the Lord has orchestrated uh, his plan and his purposes in our lives. Uh, and we are responding to that. And it has been a whirlwind season in our lives. The last several months have been uh, just a wild time of hearing both the voice of God and being submitted, um, fighting and wrestling with God on some points. Um, one of my mentors, uh, uh, I'll just, his name is Steve, I talking with him a few weeks ago and, and wrestling and praying, and uh, he challenged me. He said, Mike, are you working for Jesus or are you working with Jesus? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it sure sounds like you're very committed to working for Jesus. Are you committed to working with Jesus? And, uh, and it's ripped into the core of my uh, child of the father's heart to say, God, am I working for you or with you? And I want to be working with you. And so over the last uh, several weeks, with uh, the support of the incredible board that we have here and uh, mentors and the voice of God, we have walked through this season of uh, deciding and figuring out how to hear the voice of God and committed to take the step of faith he's called us to take. Um, we'll be transitioning in a little over uh, a month's time and moving down into California. And uh, we will, in that area, we'll, we'll be close to family, which many of you have asked, which is amazing. We've, uh, it was 20... Three years ago, the last time I, I was 17 years old, the last time I lived within 500 miles of a family member. So it's kind of wild to, um, to think about the kindness of God in that situation. But um, it has been a wild journey. And so I know many of you immediately are wondering, well, so what does that mean here? And I want to address that right off the top. And then I want to tell you the story of what's going on. Um, here's the thing I know that is true. We have an incredible, incredible body of believers that God loves in this place and in this community. And this family is an incredible family uh, designed by God for a purpose in this moment, in this place. And all of you are here because you're a part of that. And uh, we have an incredible leadership team. You should know uh, your board here loves Jesus. Uh, they love uh, uh, us uh, and have loved us well and have loved us well in the sense that they've said, hey, you need to hear from God and obey just like we need to hear from God and obey and have loved us incredibly kindly through this season. Um, we also have many other uh, supportive leaders that are incredible here. There's a core team here of leaders who own uh, the heart of the mission of this church and are living it out in many areas. Um, and they have all come together Tuesday night. Um, it was like an upper room moment of prayer and worship that I heard uh, about. Uh, the, the just presence and power of the Holy Spirit being kind and guiding and directing us in this season. 
We also have a parent organization, uh, Open Bible, uh, uh, which is a partnership of churches that we're a part of. And um, you'll get to meet one of our denominational leaders today uh, who will talk a little bit about what that means in the next season and how support will come and be a part of that. And we ultimately have a heavenly father who has a plan and a purpose and knows what in the world he's doing. And, uh, and because of that, that's the perfect love that drives out fear and reminds us that, uh, that our Father who loves us with a perfect love is in control of the whole world, and he's got this. So it's been a wild couple of weeks. Timing is an interesting thing. Um, you know, I think only the Lord really understands timing in, in, in a future way, and we can only understand it in a past way. And uh, I've been wrestling a lot with the Lord and considering just the timing of all of these uh, events. It feels like God works on us behind the scenes forever, and then everything happens suddenly. And I was thinking it's a lot like when a baby's born, right? If, if, if things happen right away, then the actual chance of survival of that baby would be very slow, uh, but because God works behind the scenes and creates all of the things he needs to create, when it does happen, although it feels sudden, God's been working all the time in the background and making uh, those pieces come together. And, and that's been a real important piece for me. And then I've just felt kind of the, the pressure of trying to hear God's voice and trying to obey and trying to be able to sit or stand in front of you and with integrity say, uh, man, I want to hear God's voice and obey my whole life. I want you to hear God's voice and obey your whole life. And how do we do that well with all the pressure that we feel? And I was thinking about how God always uses pressure in the process. He uses pressure in the process. He always puts the squeeze on to produce something that's healthy and alive. And I was praying yesterday, and I feel like uh, the Lord just gave me a picture. And this is a silly, but it's like sometimes that's the Lord, and I have a sense of humor. But I was remembering being about seven years old, sitting in the kitchen with my grandmother. She passed a few years back, and, and uh, we were making tortillas. Now, I didn't know you could buy tortillas at a store until I was about 17 and I started working at a grocery store because my house was always filled with tortillas growing up. Like, it was just a thing you just, you made almost every day. And, uh, and so I'm sitting at the, uh, at the table with my grandmother and she's, you know, she's smashing together flour, water, oil, salt, salt. It's not like the hardest ingredients. And, and uh, she's mashing them together and I'm, I got the rolling pin and I'm applying the pressure right? And I want to just slam, slam two times, throw it on the fryer and eat the tortilla. And she's like, no, me home, right? That's not how this works. And you got you to gotta take some time. You got to roll it, put some flour on it, flip it, roll it. And there was something about the process of the pressure, right, that made it pliable so that what was left was good and could maintain and, uh, and would stay together. Come on now, wouldn't fall apart. And God, uses pressure very similarly to bind things together so that they stay together into one. Remember several weeks ago, we were talking about Jesus's big prayer in John 17 for the church going forward that we'd be one, right? Not, not that we'd be the same, but that we'd be one. One mission, one vision, one purpose, his purpose for the world. And that uh, pressure ones us. And creates that, and and uh, and so I'm recognizing some uh, some of the pressure that God's applying into my own life and in the life of this church to make us one, and to uh, to make the wholeness that needs to happen for this next season happen. This is kind of the weirdest Sunday of my life, I'll tell you that. Um, having this conversation with a family that I love. And I know there's questions that are popping in your head and I'll try to answer some of them uh, so that I can answer them just once. Um, first question might be, uh, is something wrong? And the answer is absolutely 100% no. Something's incredibly right. It's just hard. Uh, is Mike frustrated? Is he mad? Or Mike and Christine uh, just want to be close to family? Is there, uh, you know, all of the voices of question marks that could be a part of the immediate process, and I just want to look all of you in the eye and say that's not what's happening here. What is happening is that Mike and Christine, just like each and every one of you, are called and set apart by the God of the universe who has a plan. And in his plan and in his kindness, um, which we believe God's kindness is the thing that turns us, right, changes our directions, leads us to repentance, according to Paul in Romans, that it's his kindness to draw us to his plan, 
We also believe that God has a perfect timing, and even though we don't always feel like I understand his timing, it is his timing, and we trust him in there. So no, nothing's wrong. Nothing's, uh, uh, there's no frustration. Uh, there's no anger. Uh, there's no uh, flaw. Um, there's not a financial problem or crisis in the church. There's not a spiritual problem or stronghold crisis in the church. Actually, things are really, really good right now because God has been so kind to us and your partnership and willingness and heart to be a part of what God wants to do missionally in the South Hill and beyond has been evident and on display. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. I was talking to one of our leaders and uh, he said something that was really profound and true. And he said, you know, what's been incredible in this season is not, and I'll just be honest and in and, and humility to say, you guys have grown me up and strengthened me. Uh, you've invested in me and loved me and supported our family. And, uh, and, and we could not be position to take the step God's called us to take in this next season without this season of what God's done in our lives. And I believe that God's done some incredible things in your life in this season and in the life of this church. And this, this overlap has been the kindness of Jesus in, in this season to bring all of these pieces together. And, uh, and so, so while I'm emotional and some of you are just hearing might be emotional, some of you may be mad and frustrated, um, let me say this, uh, Christine, my wife, who gets the empathy part right in our relationship all the time when I mess up, we were talking to our kids just last Thursday, and, uh, and she looked them in the eye, and she said, there's no wrong way to feel. You just process. God gave you all your emotions. Feel all the emotions that you need to feel, and trust that God's in it, and then come back to what we know is true. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He loves, we're talking to our kids, he loves you more than even we love you. And he'd never bring you somewhere. He wasn't going to take you the rest of the way. And so that's a, a, a bit of kind of what's going on. Um, and like I said, this might be the hardest uh, kind of message piece that I've ever put together. I have no long idea how long it will take to kind of talk through this. And, and I'm wrestling with God, just saying, God, give me a, a picture of where, did, where do we jump off on this next season, this next journey? God, I just want to hear from you and from your word. Um, I want to go to kind of the source of truth and, and have a uh, conversation that, that makes sense as this jump off point uh, of what's going on. And, and, uh, and so, <laughs> you know, I try to figure out how do I say how much I love you guys and how hard this is, but how much I trust God and how good he is in the midst of all of this. And so uh, that's kind of where we're at. It had me asking the question, what's the meaning of all this anyways? What are we created for? What's the purpose and plan in God, of God in the, in the great big picture? And, and I spent a lot of time in the word this week and, and praying and trying to hear this. And so this will be maybe choppier than a usual Pastor Mike message. Many of you know, I, you know we, we usually plan like a year out. And, uh, and think through kind of what the, what the Lord's saying in those seasons. And this has been kind of an interesting uh, week. And so if I'm a, a little choppy, uh, have some mercy on me. I uh, would appreciate that. Um, but as I read and, and listened and journaled and prayed, I feel like the Lord just directed me to the book of Ecclesiastes. And so we're going to be there. If you want to jump ahead of me, we're going to get to the very last chapter uh, of Ecclesiastes, verse 12 in just a minute. And I started just asking the question, what is this all about? What is this all for? And I started looking into the scriptures, and I thought maybe I'd start with the, the wisest person who, uh, who ever lived, uh, Solomon. Um, we believe Solomon's the author of Ecclesiastes. Church history will tell us that, although the scriptures don't implicitly say that. And uh, he was the wisest person who ever lived, and he wrote near the end of his life this incredible letter, kind of trying to sum up the meaning of it all. And where are we going with what God has given to us. And so uh, I was pressed trying to think about what, is, what really matters and what do we think the meaning of life is. I actually looked, and if you're familiar with Pew Research, they just do research polls. And, and, uh, and so Pew Research, if I, I was searching through um, Americans asking, what's the meaning of life? What's the purpose? What are we created for? And the top three answers uh, that, that rose to the top in America, the, the meaning or the purpose of life, family, career, and money. The American dream of the meaning of life. And I thought, well, we're going to have to get a little further than that. 
because that can't be the whole summation of what we were created for. And I think mankind's been asking the question, God, what, what are we created for as long uh, as we have existed? And, and so Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, uh, wrote a little bit addressing this. And if you never read, Ecclesi- read Ecclesiastes, you should read it. Um, you should journal as you read it. You should read a little bit of the time and process. But as we dive in, Solomon wrote this. And Solomon is an interesting person in scripture. He had a fascinating and amazing life. His father was King David. And I don't know if you've ever tried to live up to the shoes of your dad, um, but David left some pretty hefty shoes. He, I mean, probably one of the greatest poets and musicians that ever lived, probably the greatest king that ever lived. Scripture says he's a man after God's own heart, one of the most successful military men that ever lived. I mean, we're talking stories of David and Goliath and and uh, just epic, uh, an epic set of shoes to fill. Um, David lived this in, incredible life as a, um, a shadow, an image of, of, uh, of Christ in the scriptures. And we see so much uh, of God's heart in, in how he interacts with David and how uh, David writes and, and, uh, and, and does music for, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. I'm fumbling because there's just so many things there. Um, and it, when we meet Solomon, is an interesting moment. His mom is Bathsheba. And so if you know the David and Bathsheba story, then you know that uh, Solomon uh, comes onto the scene in a very interesting uh, dynamic. His mom is Bathsheba. His uh, older brother had passed as a result of his dad's kind of indiscretion and the lessons that God was teaching in the midst of all of that. And Solomon, we really meet him um, when we find out that David has a dream to build the temple of God. He has a plan to, uh, to take the thing that God's doing in the people of God and establish the temple of God. And yet, although David has it in his dream, this is in um, kind of First Chronicles 28, you could read this, but David says it, it had been in his heart to build the house and the place of rest of God in the Ark of the Covenant. And he thought that was going to be kind of the apex conclusion of all of the work he had done, that he was going to be the one to build the thing that God wanted to build. And then we meet Solomon because God says, yeah, your job was to get everything to this point ready to go, but I'm raising up the person who's going to actually do the next thing and take it to the next place and complete the thing I started the thing in you. I'm preaching now, church, so come with me. I started the thing in you, and I put the dream in you, and you pulled the resources together to get it done, but you're not the person who's going to complete that work. I've actually prepared the person who's going to complete that work, and that's Solomon. And that's when Solomon comes onto the scene. And we meet Solomon as a relatively young man, and he takes over the reins for his father David, and, uh, and he has this amazing encounter with God where God promises because of his kindness towards David that he wants to be kind now towards Solomon. He says, Solomon, what do you want? And Solomon says, wisdom. And God's like, you could ask for anything, you ask for the right thing. And so I'm going to provide not only that, but I'm going to give you blessing and provision beyond that. And so Solomon's life is marred, uh, not marred, marked by success, right? <laughs> In some ways it gets marred by success too. Maybe that was a little uh, prophetic and not pathetic. Um, but, uh, but Solomon has experiences this incredible season of success. As a matter of fact, he gets to lead Israel in peacetime. Now, I don't know how much you know about just global world history, but leading Israel in peacetime doesn't happen very often in the history of the world, just so you know. And so Solomon gets to lead Israel in peacetime, and he, and he has this... Uh, incredible journey of getting the temple built and dedicating the temple and seeing the power of God rest in a community where God's always desired to demonstrate his faithfulness. In the midst of all that, Solomon, uh, his heart wanders at times from God, and he ends up getting, for some season, a a, a divided heart, and he experiences kind of the the danger that comes with a a life full of success and, and indulging in some of those things. He goes through the whole gambit of those things. Towards the end of his life, he writes this letter, Ecclesiastes, and it's, it's got some emotion in it as the emotion that always comes when transition is evident. What was the meaning of it all? What was the purpose of this season that I was a part of? How does that work? And what, what was I created for? And what were we doing? And if you read through the entire letter, it doesn't take too long to read through it. You'll see some incredible themes jump out over and over and over again, particularly uh, younger folks in the room. He talks to you a lot. He says, 
experience everything God has for you, but don't forget God's part of everything you do and he's watching and he's with you. He's got a plan for you that's better than just running off and going crazy. And he talks a lot about how the decisions you make in the process affect the conclusion of the matter. And he's experienced some wild conclusions as a result of the decisions and the choices that he's made. And he comes to the summation of it. And I'm just going to read the chapter to you. Um, normally, I would kind of walk verse by verse through. I'm just going to read the chapter and for, for time's sake. And then I'll, I'll paraphrase a little bit. And we're just going to land in one place and make a point, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. I'm reading out of the uh, NIV, and you can see it up on the screen. Or you can grab a Bible from under the chair in front of you if you'd like. Or turn it on your phone, and I won't, I won't judge you for having your phone out. Take it on faith that you got the Bible app on there, not Facebook. Here comes Solomon summarizing his, his kind of conclusion of the matter. What's the meaning of all of this? And verse 1, he says, So remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you'll say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the cloud returns after rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up and the sound of birds, but all the songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and dangers in the streets, when almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself across with no desire and it is stirred. Then people go to the eternal home and the mourners go on about their streets. He's saying, just remember God when, when you're young because you're not always going to be in the same season that you're in right now. Everything's up and to the right right now, but things are different. Then he says, remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the, broke, and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless as a teacher. Everything is meaningless. Some versions will say vanity. Then he says, not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings, firmly embedded nails. They're given by the shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there's no end, and much study wearies the body. Come on, students. Verse 13, though. Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the duty of all mankind. God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. Let's pray. Jesus, your word strengthens us. You are the word. And so uh, you just uh, strengthen us with your word and it brings us hope and life and perspective and truth and speaks to our hearts and gives us direction. And I just pray it would implant into our core today, literally rewrite and change our DNA to align with your heart because you have the ability to transform us and change us. And so we trust you in that and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So essentially, he's a doom and gloom in it a little bit. He's, uh, he's like, listen, you got to remember not only the Lord is with you, but all the things that seemed important at the time may not be as important as you thought they were in light of eternity. When you look back, all the things that seemed, you know, and you know this to be true, there's been moments in your life that in the moment was the most important moment that could possibly have happened, but in light of eternity, they were not as significant. And he says, there's some things that are significant and have eternal implications. Your spirit is someday gonna be returned into the presence of God. He says, that's the thing. Live your life like you remember that's what's going on. And he acknowledges he's been blessed with incredible wisdom. And he says, I've searched for just the right words. And I've tried for, for all of my life to summarize what's really, really important in light of all of this. And he lands on verse 13. He says, now that all has been heard. Can we put verse 13 back up there? He says, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. He says, you got one major assignment to get right. You can get a lot of things wrong. 
But if you get this major assignment right, this is the duty, the responsibility, the design, the shape, the purpose, the, the thing all mankind has been created for. Actually, like the, the message translation is a paraphrase of, of the Bible, but sometimes it puts things into language that's, uh, that's easy to chew up. And um, you should never read it for study, but it's beautiful language that will help you kind of see different ways to say things. But I, I love the way that he, it says it. It just says, fear God, do what he tells you, and that's it. That's the, whole, that's the whole verse, right? Fear God, do what he tells you, and that's it. And, uh, and I thought, man, God, what a, what a statement about how we're supposed to live this life that you designed us to live. Fear God, do what he tells you, and that's it. That's the whole thing. That's the whole picture. I remember the first time that was real for me. I was, uh, I was 17 years old, and I wanted to go to Berkeley and study law and be the wealthy guy who sent people to camp. I wanted to pay for kids that couldn't afford to camp, go to camp, right? I didn't want to be the speaker at camp because that guy drove a crummy car. And, uh, right? I'm at 17 years old. <laughs> that, guy, that guy had to be humble and trust God for provision. I wanted to be the guy that God trusted who would provide and, and support. And so I wanted to go to Berkeley and I wanted to, to, te- uh, to practice law and, and, uh, and, and be the guy that, that resourced the kingdom of God that way. And uh, suddenly I'm at summer camp and there's this conversation about a pastoral call. And was there anyone in the room that God was saying, that's, that's maybe you and you need to take a step of faith and trust God and maybe even sign up and go to Bible college. And I was like, are you kidding me, Bible college? what do you do with a Bible college degree? You live poor, right? You don't send kids to camp, you drive them. Like that's a, that's a totally different experience than I was looking for at 17. So I told the Lord, I said, okay, God, I know you're doing something, you're stirring something in me. How about I cut you a deal and I'll go for one year and at the end of that year, then I'll transfer out and can I, can I just be real with you, church? I was, I was, brown and a good test taker at the right time to be a brown guy who could take a test well. And college wasn't going to be a problem for me getting in, even paying for. I was in the right timeline for that. And I couldn't imagine going up to this other school where there was like not even a deal on the table. It was like go and live with five roommates in a small room and learn about Jesus full time. And I was like, who would sign up for that, let alone pay to be there? And I was wrestling with God and, and this was what God gave me. He said, what is your responsibility? If, 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 if I'm who I say I am and you're who I designed you to be, then your responsibility is to fear God, keep his commandments, and that's it. That's the whole thing. And I said, all right, God, I'll give you, I'll give you a year. I tried to put a play in there. I said, I'll listen, but I'm only going to be obedient for a year. I get to Bible college and get to the end of the year, and one year turns into two years and three years. And at year three, I rebelled again, so that turned into four and five. <laughs> and then here's the Lord saying, I think you need to take a step of faith. Christine and I both had management-level jobs. We were, doing, we were probably the wealthiest Bible college kids you ever saw because we worked hard and had good jobs. Um, no one was paying our way, but we were certainly doing well. And the Lord said, okay, I want you to go take a step of faith and go serve. You're going to move to Spokane, a place I'd never heard of, being from California, just so you know. Um, you know, the, the internet wasn't as big a thing, so we didn't know all the places in the world, really. And so um, you're going to live in a stranger's basement for a year and work for free. Like, Wait, what? Time out, Jesus. <laughs> How am I going to pay for this nonsense that you just sent me to in Oregon and then go up to Spokane? And you know some of my journey, a year of that, and... God's next assignment was to go and work for free again in Everett. I was really good at working for free. It's amazing how many people will take you if you're willing to do that. And, and, uh, and every step of my journey has been this piece. God speaks. We hear his voice. The math doesn't have to add up. It doesn't have to make sense in the natural if the supernatural is making sense. But what has always made sense in our hearts and in our lives is that you can hear God. You can obey and you can do anything. And that's been the story of our life and our journey, that you fear God, you do what he tells you, and that's it. 
So what does it mean to fear God? I mean, some of you hear that language and maybe you haven't been in church for a while and you're like, God's scary? Like, why is God so scary? Why do you keep saying fear God? And is that like my fear of spiders or heights or how does that work? Is that like, ha, here's God. <laughs> we had some jumps in the front, right? <laughs> what, what does the scripture mean when, when it says that? And there is, um, there is a, a, a truth to that. It's certainly not horror. The word there is it's yare, it's Hebrew word, but it's a moral condition that means to revere and respect and honor and trust. And fearing God means revering God, saying, God, I know you're big and I know you got a plan and I know you see the conclusion of the matter when I can't hardly see the next step. And if you're in this and you're calling because I trust you, I'll go. If you're in this and you're calling because I trust you, I'll stay. If you're in this and you're calling, I'll honor you and I'll obey. And somewhere along the line, making that pivot in your walk with Jesus unleashes the plan and the purposes of God in your life. And many of you have experienced that. And some of you are in tension right now because you're wrestling with that very thing. God's been speaking. And every time you pray and every time you journal and every time you come to church and every time someone you love who loves the Lord speaks into your life, there's this confirming, affirming thing that's happening. And you're like, nah, bro. Nah, that's not the thing I want to do. I'm not going to trust God in that way. I'm not going to take that particular leap of faith. Maybe in another season I'll do that. Like, I hear you, God, but in another season I got to do all these other things first. And yet here's the scripture telling us and the spirit telling us that our whole our whole response to God is how do we respect and honor and fear and revere the creator of the universe? How do we stand before God who we say loves us with a perfect father's love and yet say, well, we, we know you have a perfect father's love, but we're not going to listen. And Solomon says, that's nonsense. The wisest human to have, have lived says, I've looked over the course of all of it. And while I was younger, I wish I would have took my own advice is basically what he's saying here that the whole thing came down to really honoring and respecting and trusting God. And here's the cool thing. God wants the kind of relationship with you that a good father wants, not a domineering, scary, dominant, dispassionate, unpersonal God wants. He wants you to know that he knows you, that he designed you, that you fit with the plan that he's designed for you, and that it's not a, it's not a bad fit, and it's not because he's not kind towards you. It's actually because he is. It's a funny thing. We don't like to change. We just don't. And when God's designing change in us, it's really hard. I was thinking about a way to illustrate this. Let me give you just a funny way to illustrate this. If, if, if you would just do a little simple experiment with me. Would you just for a moment just cross your arms? All right. Everybody's got their arms crossed. This is the body language I was expecting anyway, so this is fine. <laughs> All right. Now look down. Do you have your right hand higher or your left hand higher? You uh, <laughs> Nikki, Nikki feels like we're calling her out, right? I just want you to think about for it. Okay, now cross your arms the other way with the other hand higher. How weird does that feel? Right? That's totally weird. So if I told you your job was to cross your arms the other way for the whole week, do you think you could? Some of you might be able to do it. Some of you might not be able to do it, right? It's just weird. Now, not everyone went right over left or left or everyone had their own way of doing it. However, they do it because that's how you do it, right? But if you flip it and try to do it a way that is different and change, there's nothing bad there. It's just uh, not, the, not the way you know to do it. Why did I give you that illustration? Simply because changing while things become sometimes different always just feels a little uncomfortable. It doesn't feel like, like we like to rest in. We find our natural flow and our natural rhythm and we want to stay in there. Even if it's bad for us, we'll stay in there because it's what we know. And uh, some of you know that you've been in uh, situations either with people you love or yourself where, where you've seen patterns that have been destructive and bad for you, but you've just been in a rhythm for so long. And it's like your heavenly father saying, I got to uncross you. And the way I'm going to cross you is going to be good for you. And you should trust me in this. So revering and revering God is simply that sense of, God, we respect you and we trust you. And then do what he tells you. Whew, keep his commandments, do what he tells you. Sure seems easy to say. Sure seems easy to say. Yeah, God, I'll do whatever you tell me. And he says, okay, make this change. Take this risk. Step out on faith this way. And suddenly we're like, ah, back to crossing our arms the way we know, right? And yet here's Solomon 
wisest man that ever, ever lived, just saying, listen, the whole purpose, your design, the kindness of the heavenly father towards you is that if you honor and respect him and you trust what he says, you'll get this thing right. You'll get it right. And you won't have to live in fear and you won't have to live uh, uh, in, in some kind of uh, unknown terror. Now, it may take you to places of faith and it may take you to places that are difficult and it may take you into the storm, but the promise is that your foundation will be strong in the storm. And the promise of God, come on now, how many times I gotta say this church is always the presence of God. The promise is always the presence. Not that everything will go the way you want it to go, but that you can trust him and he'll be with you. And then he is. And time and time and time and time again, he shows up. So he invites us to have courage and to take the next step. This next season is gonna require courage. It's gonna require courage. You're in the room today because you've been invited to take the next step. You've been invited to be on the journey of what God's doing in this place. And what God's doing in this place is good. Some of the fear and tension might be, well, what does this mean for what we've been talking about in terms of mission and vision? And I, I wanna just speak directly to that. For the next several weeks, we'll unpack that. But I just want you to hear something. The, 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 the thing that God spoke over this church in terms of helping move people from isolation into community and bringing people into the body and family of God and how the, the, the principality that, that hangs over this Pacific Northwest area drives people into isolation and loneliness and the church has to call people out of the darkness and back into the light. None of that changes. Why would that change? That's the heart of God. It's the, the scripture and the word of God. And so that doesn't change. The dynamics might change. The, the, the paint color might change on the mission. Come on now, the, the, the vocabulary might change a little bit, but the heart and the mission of God doesn't change at all. And the people who God's assigned us to doesn't change in this body at all and so so why would it change because because god reassigns a component and says okay now your job is to go to this next place and do the next part why would that change the heart of god for this place this community this neighborhood and what he wants to do um it will require some of you who have been hearing god and saying i'm not sure if i'm going to just do it to actually come on nike swoosh just do it and uh, some of you are going to have to step in and step up into your identity and your role. Uh, but here's what's incredible. So many of you have. I was just thinking about, when, what, 21 folks on January stepped into membership. How incredible is that saying, I'm part of the thing God's doing here. We had 16 people respond on Easter. We even talked about this, just saying, I'm taking my first step towards following Jesus. In this room right here, we have so many of you out in the community just being Jesus and serving in our schools and our kids and beyond. I mean, the things that God is doing, a catalyst for life, and I mean, it's amazing. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm encouraged in the midst of all my unknown questions that the God of the universe knows what he's doing, and he's got this. And as much as Christine and I love this body, God loves it more. He loves it more. And he loves you more. And so in all of that, I think it could be easy to overthink it and overcomplicate it. Um, I have actually been to counseling because I'm a chronic overthinker. And I'm not ashamed to say I need someone to tell me to knock it off sometimes. And so as someone who has to receive that, I'm happy to give that to all of you. Don't be, in a, don't be in a chronic overthinking mode right now. Be in a listening to Jesus and obeying mode. You'll be fine. He loves you. He's got this. And so, uh, so what happens next? Well, uh, there's, a, there's several weeks now where we'll kind of unpack uh, uh, kind of what, what those steps are. But um, as I shared before, we have a, an incredible team of elders and leaders um, who will put together uh, the beginning process of, here's the thing, as God has been working in Christine and I, he's also been working in whoever he's called and assigned to lead this piece in the next season, including in all of you who are now feeling like this, oh man, that means I'm gonna have to step into some things. Yes, amen. The same way he's been doing that, your step of faith, he's doing that in someone else's heart and we'll begin the process of 
pursuing that person. And, uh, and there'll be some support and help that comes in. And so I'm going to introduce uh, and give just a few minutes uh, to my friend, Pastor Gary Wyatt. Um, Gary, would you, would you come on down? And uh, Gary is uh, one of our uh, leaders in our parent organization, our denomination, Open Bible. Um, he's also awesome. Um, I'm going to tell you my, my favorite. Well, I can't I don't have time if I start telling stories. Do All right. The first CD that I ever had that talked about Jesus at all was a CD that was produced and sang and, and put together by this man right here. The guy, the guy's amazing. He was the first Christian music that ever played in my house on purpose. All right. Other than Christmas time, other than Christmas time, was uh, was this guy right here. Um, he has uh, a far-reaching impact um, in in the kingdom, and uh, he has crazy stories about hanging out with Ken Griffey Jr. Um, and some other guys. So you should grill him and ask him questions uh, because uh, I think I had my favorite time ever hearing stories at lunch with him. Um, but he's going to share just a couple minutes about what's going on uh, and happens kind of in this season and his role in that. And then the elders are going to come. We're going to pray for you guys and, and we'll call it a day. God bless you all this morning. And uh, thank you, Pastor Mike, for that wonderful message. I, I, um, I'm Gary Wyatt. Gary Wyatt, I... I came into open Bible in the in the late '80s. I was a, a musician, singer, artist, <clears throat> and I met a lady named Melanie B. who started booking me in open Bible. And you know, brother from the hilltop, from the hood, you know. <laughs> and then she's booking me with all these white people. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it was a serious transition, Mike. It was a serious transition. I met uh, Pastor Chris back down in California, Tahunga, California. I was, met him down there. He was leading worship, and then he transitioned up here and and uh, planted a church eventually, this particular church. And, and, uh, and then uh, I came in the Open Bible 18 years ago, Pastor Doug Trenum. Uh, recruited me to pastor the church on the hilltop, and I did. So I understand transition uh, very well. And it was a different transition for a black guy coming to a predominantly white con uh, organization. So I know the feeling as far as how it is, it can be very difficult. And so I applaud Pastor Mike and uh, his courage to take those steps. God does move us on into other things. How many really believe God? How many really believe him and trust him? And how many of you can say there are times when you, it's very difficult sometimes to just trust him? Yeah, I, I, I was just in the Holy Land and I, we were in Jericho. They wanted me to do the devotion and I, I shared how, you know, devotion, Jericho is one of the lowest places, 14, uh, 1,200 feet uh, below sea level. It's one of the lowest places in the world. And how at my, there was a point in my life where I was very low emotionally because God had put me on this new road that was difficult for me to navigate. And so I took my eyes off of him and like the blind Bartimaeus or Bartimaeus who was on the side of the road, I was much like him. I lost my sight and then he had my sight returned because I was in this, this new season and trying to navigate. And it's very, very difficult to do that. And so um, we applaud Pastor Mark. I do, uh, Mike, to, for making the changes that he's or walking into this new season, answering the call. I want to share a little story with you um, to try to help you through this process. And I'm just here as the new regional or di district superintendent or district director because of that guy sitting back there. <laughs> he recruited me and uh, said you needed some diversity. Don't get no divert more diverse than this. <laughs> I represent pepper <laughs> and a lot of salt. You need both. <laughs> so thank you, Chris. February 2016, day after Super Bowl, I had a 1970 Buick Skylark, beautiful. And that day after Super Bowl, sunshine, and so I said, I'm going to take the car out. Took the car out and had my wife. I was disobedient as I hit 70, then 75 and 85, and trying to go to 90 on I-5. <laughs> and the Spirit of God said, slow down. And I did. I went down to 65. And right as I did, 
the car in front of me, two cars ahead of us, begin to spin out. The car in front of us stopped. They had the real disc brakes. I had those old drum brakes, and some of you men know. And when I hit the brakes, Jeff, the car turned sideways, and I smacked the car in front of us. A Mercedes hit on the side of the passenger side, my wife's side. We both, I mean, totaled the car. Uh, went to the ER, and they said, well, you have some contusions. We will give you some Tylenol. You'll be okay. I said, but when they did the x-rays on my wife, they said, we, we see something. Something's not right. <clears throat> so we came out here at Puyallup, did further testing, found out she had stage two cancer. The accident revealed a rare cancer, Rachel, that was in her uh, malt lymphoma, stage two. She didn't feel anything, Pastor Mike. She didn't know. And, and I knew she was devastated because I was devastated. My mother passed from cancer. We got in the car. We sat in the parking lot. <clears throat> and this is what I told her. I said, the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, 28, and we know all things work together for good uh, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I held her in my arms, comforted her uh, that God was, that even though everything may not be good, everything will work out for good. And we prayed. She went through radiation and she's healed today. But here's what I know. And here's what I know about today. And we know, not some things, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The call, God's purpose is seen in John 3.16. John 3.16. He, he wants to save and redeem everybody. He wants to call all men and all women to salvation. You're here because of that call. You're here because of that purpose. And we can say all things are going to work together for good because you're here. You're here because God's divine providence called you to him. And, and you accepted that call. And you're now in this place because of his purpose. And that divine purpose was to save and redeem you. And when we pursue the pur that purpose, when we're about saving souls and redeeming mankind, and you're a part of that purpose because you're here, and you have the ministry of reconciliation, and you have a responsibility to reach, we know everything is going to work out for good. Even this move is going to work out for good. You know how I know? And here's, if you, you raised your hand a moment ago and you said you trust God, then God said, and you can put it on the screen if you like, Jeremiah 3, verse 15. He says, I will give you pastors after mine own heart. I'll do it. Pastors is plural. It's not a singular word. And I've had several in my lifetime. And I was disappointed when some moved on. But nevertheless, God replaced. God always has that ram in the bush. He has that one that's going to replace and take you to the next level. And so if you trust God, then you know if he says, I will, anytime he says, I will, he's going to do that, exactly what he said. And we, we applaud you. We stand behind you. The organization stands behind you. We are with you through this whole process. We're going to walk through it. I thought, Pastor Chris, I thought, you know, uh, uh, the Bible says rejoice with them that rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And, and, and I've been in coming in the open Bible. I've been in that place where some were rejoicing and others were mourning. <laughs> so I know what that feeling is like. I know what transition is like. It can be very, very difficult. But if you trust God, then you know God's got you. He's got you. And he's going to work this out in the days, weeks, months to come. Should he delay his coming? 
He said, I will give you shepherds after mine own heart that will have that same heart of reaching this community in this region for his glory. Amen. Amen. I want the elders to come, if you would, and we're going to pray. Uh, Pastor Mike and Christine, would you come? Would you come? The elders that are here, I know some are missing. Chris, would you stand with me? uh, He's the one that got me into all this. (laughs) How y'all doing? You doing all right? Y'all doing all right? I said, you doing all right? <laughs> yeah, transition is, is, is something. It's very, very. I, I, I felt you, man. And this man, it, it, he loves y'all. And, but I can tell he loves God more, and he has to love him with all of his heart, his mind, his strength. His body, his soul, and he's, he's answering that call. And this is, this is God's will, and God's will is going to be done. I need you to do me a favor. Would you point your hands this way as we pray? Gracious Father, uh, this has been a great season. You, you established this ministry, Pastor Chris, years ago, and you, you brought Pastor Mike and Pastor Christine, you know, this wonderful woman of God. I call her pastor. She's supporting this man of God. And this is a difficult time for him and for the congregation. But God, we trust you. And without faith, it's impossible to please you. We're to be content with this very thing. You're never going to leave or you're never going to forsake. You will never do that. You are the good shepherd that David talked about in Psalm 23. And you're going to lead this congregation this flock into green pastures and still waters you're going to restore the souls that have some emotional issues and this this may be difficult god you're going to lead guide and direct pastor mike and christine as they go in the days and weeks the weeks to come settle it in their hearts that you did do this that you did plan this establish them down in california make everything easy make the road easy let it be an easy transition and God, I pray for celebration right now yeah. that you would lead them to, yeah. that you would comfort them, these elders, that you would strengthen them, yeah. give them the grace and the understanding that they're going to need. Yeah. And this wonderful congregation that you will let them know you still have divine purpose for them. And you're going to give that pastor after your heart, as you said in Jeremiah three fifteen. we trust your word. And God, you're going to be exalted. And the devil is going to be defeated in this region and in this area and in Puyallup because of this ministry. Now, God, we give them our peace and our blessing as they go in the times to in the days to come. Bless them as they go. Work out every detail, even with their children. Do it for your glory. And God, give this congregation your peace. Let them know you're with them. You're going to work this out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you believe it, give God praise in here. Amen. You can be. Thank you. You can stand. High five one another. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.